This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name's Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hi, everyone. Um, we're going to start with the news. Then Steve is going to step in and chat to Jerry this week. Uh, and then we're going to do a Brexiteer of the Week. Uh, but let's start with the news. And let's start with a new European exclusive. David Miliband has written for us this week. Yes, he has. Uh, please go out and buy the new European. Um, £2.50, all good news agents. Uh, and David Miliband has written about the dangers of sleepwalking into Brexit, but there, there's quite a lot of criticism in there. There's a, a lot of criticism for Theresa May, of course, and the terrible way she's handled this. But there's a lot of criticism too for Jeremy Corbyn, and I think that that is what has um, caught the attention of most people and the reaction to this uh, appears uh, in some circles appears to be um, approval and in other circles appears to be why is he having a go at Jeremy Corbyn now when we're ahead in the polls etc etc. Well let's stick with Corbyn there's two bits in the article that I, I, re- I think he, he's really nailed um, the Labour position um, he, he said that uh, Jeremy Corbyn has, has, has changed in the last year because he now believes that he's he will win, be yeah. Prime Minister he believes that he will be Prime Minister but yet, he his current position on Brexit is designed for opposition, or his yes. sort of opposition, not for government. And I think if we look back at when, um, if we look back at that last year, I know we're going back uh, 20 years now, but if we look back at that last year of that Tory government, John Major's Tory government, the policies that Blair was coming up with were, weren't just ones to knock down government policies, they were ones yeah. that would work in exactly. government. And I think that is something that, we, you know, is... He's really underlined a good point on Brexit and other things, frankly, about Corbyn. But then I also think he's made a great um, point here about uh, Owen Jones, mm. uh, the Guardian columnist. Yes, that is a good point. He, he said, "I'm going to read. I'm just going to read this one sentence out." Actually, Owen Jones has said that people suffering from the bedroom tax don't care about Brexit. 
but Britain's capacity to fund removal of the bedroom tax, never mind restore its public services uh, and, and provide an alternative to austerity, depends on social and economic model that Brexit fundamentally undermines. That is exactly what Jeremy Corbyn, if he was indeed a Remainer, should have been telling people on the stump during the campaign. Yes, exactly. But he didn't. Well, that's right. And um, but you know, maybe I think I think uh, David Miliband is holding out hope that he is moving towards that because he is quite right in saying that none of what Labour proposes is really affordable without um, without changing the the disastrous road that we are that we are heading down because. You know, okay. I mean, all right. There's going to be a certain amount of borrowing to fund the renationalisation, but the element of risk that 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 that, um, that 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 is is just magnified, isn't it, by the the fact that you're involved in something which is so chaotic, occupies so much time, uh, civil service time, government time, and is currently costing. I think he says it in the in the piece three hundred and fifty million pounds a week, according to the Financial Times, and, and other people have said yeah, it's going right. to be costing three hundred million pounds a week by twenty twenty one down this route. So so it's already costing us. We should a, put that a huge on amount a bus. of money. Yeah, put it on a bus, park it outside Boris's house. Let's give it back to you <laughs> instead. It's it is just incredible, isn't it? What what sort of criticism does he level at the Brexiteers and at Theresa May? Well, he, he the, the criticism that he, the main criticism that he levels in them is that now that the deed is done, Article Fifty is signed. I think he, he he says, like most people say, that Article Fifty was signed, triggered, and signed much too uh, much too early, with fairly disastrous consequences. They wanted to do it earlier. Uh, yeah, <laughs> straight away, bring it on. He yeah, said, didn't yeah, he? Yeah. But was that just a slip of the tongue? Did he really know what he was saying? I'm not even sure he did. Well, I I. Let's give fell him off my seat. So did I. Let's give him credit and say that he he didn't really mean bring it round to my house now, and I'll I'll put the old John Hancock on it. No. Um, he says that um, he says that now that all this has been triggered and the wheels have been set into motion, there is no real um, there's no real examination of what any of what any of that means, and no real going back and and adjusting our um, adjusting our position on it, mm. and. Um, and I think you can't, I mean, we'll touch on this later on, but you also saw that in the performance of, of David Davis, extraordinary performance of David Davis yeah. in front of the Select Committee on Wednesday. Yeah. Lack of, just a lack of scrutiny. I think, I think he's, he, that's, that's what he's saying, isn't he? Yeah. Um, there's a lack of scrutiny in and in a, in a kind of rush to get things ticked off by certain, you know, which were very arbitrary deadlines, which yeah. we've set ourselves. Um, I, it's a it's a really good piece, this, and it, it makes a lot of sense. And it when I when I read it when it was when it was filed, um, my first thought was, goodness me, we could do with David Miliband back in British politics. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you said before, didn't you? If only he hadn't eaten that banana, and <laughs> if only he hadn't posed with that copy of the Daily Telegraph and that yeah, banana. It was probably. I mean, at the time, it was probably the Iraq thing, wasn't it? And the um, and and the fact that he was, you know, well, he made a rather clumsy. Play at the leadership, didn't he? A sort of half-hearted one around a party conference. Yes, would have been two thousand and nine, probably. Yes, and that was the banana picture. Um, but um, which, if if you don't recall, 
was simply him posing with a banana. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> I mean, anything. It, it was just a bit daft, really. Yeah, it yeah. certainly didn't look there's like no, a potential leader or a potential prime minister. No, but there's not a sort of Isabel Oakshot's tale about him with a banana <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a Oxford drinking society or anything no, like there, that. No, there certainly isn't. No. Absolutely. I, Let's I be believe clear. He, he ate the banana. He did. Well, yeah. He used to get on my tube, you know. I used to see him quite a lot. The banana, or the banana was sadly gone by the time. David Miliband. David Miliband. And now yeah. he's the head of International Rescue. Yes. Which is <laughs> is something else. Isn't well, it? they intervene quite a lot, and this is an intervention. How useful are these interventions? Because you know, Miliband is a is a Blairite, and Tony Blair has done it a few times, and yes. they seem to talk perfect sense. But are, are they? You know, they are they talking to? Are they preaching to the converted? Well, I, I, I suppose in a, in a way he is really preaching to the converted, isn't he? And um, and I don't know. I mean, he's. I think he's holding out quite a lot of hope in this piece that Labour's position is changing. Yeah, I think he's talking to Labour uh, and and saying, "Come on, these are the things that we need to do." And he's also he's also making the point, which I think goes to. I mean, it's a Labour thing, isn't it? John McDonnell keeps repeating this, but also the Tories say it as well. It's like, well. You know, we want to be in a single market and yeah. a customs union. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of... We are. Well, we are now. <laughs> but if we go, if we leave it, we're not going to be in another one. We might have a trade deal, yeah. mightn't we? And but surely being in... Trading even once with any country once means that for that particular moment you're in a customs union. Well, you are, them. yeah. Now you're sounding like John McDonnell. <laughs> he wants to be in a single market. What kind of market? Is it Leeds Central Market? Albion Market? I don't know. What is it? Uh, well, market Raisin? <laughs> um, let's Market Harborough? Yes. I don't know. All the markets. All the markets. Anyway, you can't be in the single market if you are out of the... A single market if you are out of the single know, market. Nonsense, isn't it? Unless it's some dating site that John McDonnell has discovered. Ooh. The single market. That would be quite a good name, wouldn't it? For for um, that should for be Brexiteers. the New Europeans dating service. The that's single, where the, the singles is. market. <laughs> the singles market for lonely remainers. For lonely remainers, yeah. <laughs> um, let's move on. To, Please, <laughs> let's move on. Anyway, it's a really good piece. You should it read is, it in the New European. It's a, sm- it's talks, a smashing it, piece. He talks an awful lot of sense, David Miliband. He does. And, it's a very good and, um, You know, and and. Maybe he will be. Uh, maybe he will be back at some point. Yes. Well, uh, fingers crossed. I think um, uh, Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson from the sublime to the ridiculous. Yeah. I, so a great week. Well, I mean, you're going to talk to Jerry about the the current situation facing the NHS. So we'll just talk about the political manoeuvring of Boris Johnson um, with regards to the NHS. He. He they won the referendum on the back of an NHS cash lie, three hundred and fifty million a week. He's now saying that there could be a Brexit dividend yeah. of a hundred million pounds a week before Brexit has yeah. happened. It's just, it just he's just making this up. And in fact, we're well, and in fact, we're we're losing. You know, a, 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 well, the net loss of three hundred million pound a week by twenty twenty one, according to the Office of Budget Responsibility, and a, and a, and a, a net loss already of. £350 million a week now. Um, he is making it up. I'm sure I will say this again when I talk to Jerry in a minute, but there is, there's no doubt that the NHS could do with another £100 million a week. Absolutely. Um, but it's a pretty cynical move, isn't it? To- well, it is. And I think, the, 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 listen, I spoke to um, a Conservative source this week 
mm. who fairly gleefully said, this is, this is a canny move by Boris because it gets focus on him and he's talking about the NHS and he's saying good things. Yes. So people go, oh, that's good. Yes. And I said, well, wait, wait a minute, he's done this before. Mm. And, uh, well, yes, and it worked, didn't it? That's the thinking. Yeah. Um, and of course it splits the cabinet again. Boris is very keen for that cabinet to be split because he wants to destabilise the Prime Minister and Gove wants to destabilise the Chancellor and the pair of them want to live next door to each other like that weird buddy movie that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Yes, that's right. Um, and and this does it because Theresa May, there, there isn't the capacity to find this money right now. It would It's, it's not like they can just go, here's the cash. They, there might be some yeah. emergency money available. But Which he knows. Just, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, it's, so he knew this was, would come to nothing, but he's, he's, but he's and, he didn't even, and he didn't, we, and we, we now found out he didn't even say it in the cabinet meeting, did he? Because no. they all just went, why have you That's right. said this to the newspaper? Yeah, yeah, the spokesman told the lobby that, um, that it was, uh, it, it wasn't, that figures weren't raised by any of the, any of the cabinet ministers. So, you know, he's briefed the papers, he's got his front page. Two on, front pages, yes. Sunday Times and the Times on Monday. Yeah. And, well, it's worked a treat for him, hasn't it? If you believe him. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, you know, don't be fooled by this. I mean, I have to I have to admit when I initially saw this Sunday and Monday, I did think is this is this his excuse for resigning? And well, there's been murmurings about that. And yeah. will this be and will he emerge at some point and say I've been agitating for weeks for 100 million quid a week more for the NHS. They won't give it to me, therefore I am standing down. Well, in which case, current turn into that. In which case, he should really have offered to become the health secretary in the last reshuffle, shouldn't he? Yeah. And if he really was was genuine about this, I mean, it's a difficult position for for Jeremy Hunt because he is obviously going to back it because it would look rather ridiculous if he went. No, I don't think. I think he handled it quite well by saying, um, "I don't think there has been a health secretary in history who would uh, who would think that giving a hundred million pounds a week extra to the NHS would be a bad thing." Um, but well, then you've got Grayling and Gove. Probably some Conservative oh, well, health secretaries well, of the past, possibly. Who would probably think? But you, that. Do, you do think that um, you do think that uh, you know Grayling and Gove backing it just proves what a, a nest of cynical plonkers well, yeah. we've got in cabinet. Yeah, well, but it's going to be good. I, I like the idea that he's doing Boris is doing Jeremy Hunt's job for him. Maybe Jeremy Hunt job could for- could get the. You know, Nazanin, Zahari, Ratcliffe <laughs> home uh, a bit quicker than, than Boris has, has managed it. Well, um, it's uh, so. I just think that I mean, there was a great line in the in the Times on Monday piece where they'd interviewed some of Boris's supporters and allies, uh, and they said, you know, he's a serial winner and he's going to win this one and stuff like this. And they said, this is absolutely not about the referendum which to me was just a huge flag reading, this is absolutely yeah. about the referendum. Of course. And it is completely about the fact that people do not trust Boris Johnson. They mm. think he's a liar. Mm. They think he lied about this. Mm. You can see that this rattles him because he talks about it yeah. in every single interview, as he did with the ludicrous interview a couple of weeks ago when he said the figure should have been much higher and he was right all, the, all along. Um, which is which is kind of said before, and he is you know he he is sort of doomed. I, I've said it. I wrote a piece for the website where I said he's like you know it, Boris Johnson classics degree from Oxford, and he is like Prometheus, isn't he? He's yeah. chained to instead of being chained to a rock, 
with the eagle pecking at his liver. He's chained to the big red bus now oh, with no, the think, big lie on it. I think I'm, you've got that wrong. Prometheus is where the spaceship lands. Oh, yeah. And they go into the... It's like aliens before the aliens. Yeah, I was thinking of something completely different. Yeah. But he is that without the eagle pecking at his liver. Yeah. And yeah. I would say if an eagle pecked at... It would be... It would probably be like the smoothest foie gras, wouldn't it, Boris Johnson's liver? Because <laughs> oh. it's quite... I'm sure there's... It's quite... I don't know. I think it'd be quite tender. Quite fatty. Are you imagining cannibalising Boris Johnson? Ish, yes. I think I, I think I am at this stage of the podcast, yes. Right. Well, we'll talk about that off-air and maybe see if we need to hear yeah. some therapy. Which, which Brexiteer would readers most <laughs> like to eat? Which Brexiteer would listeners of the podcast most like to eat? You can email us uh, at the New European. <laughs> yes. .co.uk. Uh, only clean murderous eating, please. So, Boris aside for a second, yeah. not the only bonkers Brexiteer putting in a bit of a shambolic performance this week. David Davis at the Select Committee. Yeah, I'm sort of beginning to lose my high regard for David Davis. That I've always thought David Davis was a... <laughs> Was a was a, 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 a over promoted fool, you know, and but his performance on Wednesday, which has attracted, correctly attracted great derision, was quite extraordinary. Um, let's set aside all the stuff, the sort of extraneous stuff. He wasn't really prepared for one of the questions. He didn't seem to know what he was being asked. It was quite early on. His phone went off later on. Then he started saying, which he said at previous select committee meetings, I've really got to go now. I've got something more important to do, which, you know, isn't really a good look when you're the Brexit secretary and you're at the Brexit committee. Uh, and he had to be slapped down then by Hilary Benn, who, who I think said something like, well, you know, you, you, if he came in more often like you're supposed to, we wouldn't have to go on this long. The, the, the main two things which I thought were extraordinary. First of all, he said um, that he was, he, was, you know, he was quizzed by Hilary Benn about the ludicrous thing that he'd said in July of 2016, straight after the referendum, where he basically said, after we've triggered Article 50, we'll be able to um, immediately sign a load of global trade deals and everything will be all right. And we always knew that this was nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and we've said it over and over again, and so he was tackled on this finally, and he said, well, I said that before I was a minister. You know, I didn't really know then. That was then, this is now, he said. And, yeah. and we all knew, yeah. you know, and you are the man in charge of Brexit. Um, and then he was again, was sort of skewered on this thing that he'd said in 2012, uh, where he'd said that Britain had to stay in the EU customs union in the long term. It was vital for trade. Uh, and uh, and then he said, well, I've got new facts and new opinions on mm. that. Mm. So he is basically saying he's allowed to change his opinion. Now he's read the facts, but no one else is allowed to change their opinion uh, and have a second referendum. I mean, it, it was embarrassing, to be perfectly honest. And, and, and more than that, I was angered by it because, OK, the, the answers to those questions are about what I would expect from David Davis, but... The contempt shown yeah. towards the process and the fact that for some reason some of these Brexiteers think that they are above um, keeping the public informed about yes. what's going on and a asking questions and being scrutinised about it. They don't, the Tories don't like to do um, it in, in the chamber and they don't like to do it in the select committees either and it, it's, 
it, it's a very, very worrying trend yes. going forward for, for parliamentary democracy, to be honest. It really is. And, um, and, and I, I was just having a, a, a conversation on Twitter uh, uh, yesterday about this with, with some guy who said, quite rightly, the most annoying sound in politics is that little chuckle that David Davis now does mm. when somebody asks him a hard question and he yeah. goes, oh, hadn't thought of that. Well, I've, you know, oh, the papers, oh, well, when I said, you know, the it, guy is a, you know, if Tim Burgess was 10 foot tall, he wouldn't be a bigger charlatan than David <laughs> Davis. <laughs> Very good. Um, let's, let's, I've been dying. Shall so, we? Oh, I know your little, I, I can see just, it on your little face. I've, I'm having so <laughs> much fun yeah. with Henry Bolton and Joe Marnie. Yeah. This has been... I, I, I will always remember where I was when this story first broke. Um, the, what, was, the news of what? The news of his affair with... Yes, the news of his new love Yeah. in the sun. Yeah. Harry Cole broke the exclusive. Harry Cole is not his new love. <laughs> He's not. Well, there's another exclusive. There you go. That's Harry good. Cole wrote the story in the sun, and we should have all seen it, because it had been on Twitter for a fair few days, but we hadn't been obviously paying much attention to Henry Bolton. Um, but there, she, there he was, pictured with her. And I was I was on a train in Ipswich, and I remember exactly what I said. I said, "Oh my God, yes, yes!" Because it's such a great story, and it's just got better. It and is better good. and better. Um, and this week, of course, we spoke last week about their uh, their meeting that never happened, but actually did, and never went back to his flat, but actually did. Yeah, but left, got a taxi. Um, and then there was when were they spotted on the train? Yeah, that was after they'd been to the Liverpool Club. By ten, how unlucky to be to, to be <laughs> to sit on the train on the tube, <coughs> and there sitting opposite you is Tanya Gold from the Guardian. But the best bit about that well, was, was she her, from the Times now? I think yes. Yeah. The best bit about that was was Marnie's face. <laughs> it's like if looks could kill. Yeah, I mean it was. It is just too brilliant. Um, and of course, since since then we've had. Resignation after resignation. We have. Um, we've had... I spoke to one of the UKIP frontbenchers this week and he uh, hasn't resigned, but he says, Stuart Agnew, he said that he does want the uh, does want uh, him to go and has done from the, pretty much the start of this um, yeah. um, affair. Um, and so he's, he's calling for him to go, but won't resign because he says, what good is that going to do? I, you know, I can, we probably want all of UKIP to resign, but... This is really an existential crisis for UKIP, isn't it? And Henry Bolton now refusing to stand down, even though he's lost all confidence. The NEC uh, have given him a vote of no confidence. Now it goes to the members. Mm. So lots of money being wasted. Yep. Um, yep. It's good. It's great fun, isn't it? It's good. I'm glad, got... he hang, I'm glad he came out and gave that... Um, the rather funny press conference outside the hotel outside, in Folkestone. Outside that sort of weird OAP's hotel in yeah. Folkestone. And there was a taxi waiting as well. It was like taxi, taxi for, Bolton. for Bolton. But it went without him and he said, I will fight on. I'll, there's so much to like about it, isn't there? There's, I mean, even that even that weird press conference that he gave, when he emerged from the hotel and the, you know, let's say that the, <laughs> the gent- ladies and gentlemen of the press were about 20 feet away, weren't they? Yeah. And he got, he, he sort of went, he got within about 10 feet of them and then started reading out his <laughs> press release. And no, you, the, the, the microphones couldn't pick it up. And they had to sort of shuffle a little bit nearer, come a little bit nearer. 
So that Come was, here, there's more. So that was, I mean, that was absolutely extraordinary. It was brilliant. Just in itself. The, um, hat tip to the, uh, the young um, BBC reporter who had to fill for about 15 minutes live on, yes. on that. She was brilliant. She was I've not seen her before. Good. I imagine she's um, up and coming and maybe doing a regional beat at the moment. She was on the news channel for 15 minutes and she was fantastic. Um, and uh, when Henry did come out, I don't think anyone in the world wanted him to come out more than she did because she'd, she'd explained yeah. the history of UKIP about three times over by the time he actually emerged. Um, who, who is So if he wins this vote, which she's unlikely to do in this... EGM in in a month or so. Who is who's going to be in his cabinet? Well, I mean, it's been likened to when Jeremy Corbyn's cabinet resigned. That's true. Yeah. The difference being, of course, that Jeremy Corbyn has huge support with the members. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yes, all right. Henry Bolton won um, not so long ago, but um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a landslide victory, was it? I mean, there were, no, no, it was very, it was very close, and it um, could well have been Anne Marie. And now, with um, with what's happened with yeah. the lovely Joe, I mean, I think he's in bother. Isn't Do you he? think Joe Marnie will get a key role in his first administration? Well, well, I, I, mean, I think they, he owes it to her. I think he does. Yeah, maybe she could be in charge of immigration. Yes, <laughs> I think other names. Joe Marnie, obviously, other yeah. names. Mojani, she she could be yes. in it. I yes. think so. Joan Smarmy, I believe she's quite she's good. Very None of these would be. I don't think they could ever attend together. Together, no, no. no. She's Costa, good. Why would they want to? Uh, Marnie Jones, I believe she's up and coming. Yes, she's the one blonde who, model. That's right. Brexiteer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like Jane Omri, she's quite yes. good. She's a <laughs> she's a Brexiteer and model who is blonde. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Modi Army, <laughs> he could do sport. Transport Rejvani and Ireland, somebody called Oblani. Um, he has got some supporters though, hasn't he? Did you see Diane Nigel. James, who was the like the, she was? Oh, she was one of she my was like the la- She was brilliant. What a leader she was. She was she like the Lady even... Jane Grey of UK. She... <laughs> 18 she, days. She even wrote on the on the um, slip to sign herself as leader under duress. That's <laughs> right, leader under duress. <laughs> she said that he had to stay on as leader because <laughs> if we continue in fighting, it runs the risk of killing UKIP and killing Brexit as well. Fight, fight, fight. Fair fight, enough. Fight. Yeah. <laughs> and UKIP then, are just brilliant. And then his key supporter is Nigel Farage, obviously. Yeah. And, you know... Nigel Farage is a a 53-year-old man who split with the wife who is three years his junior and now lives with a woman who's 16 years his junior. Mm. And he has come out in support of a woman who left his wife who was 12 years his junior for a woman who's 29 years his junior. It's a very Brexit-y thing to do when you get to your mid-50s. It could be just envy, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe Nigel's not pushed it far enough. Do you think he said, here, Henry... What's the moonlight look like on Jules behind? Well, I was going to say that the, obviously we know about the um, various messages and, and more continue to emerge, don't they? These Facebook messages that Joe Marnie has sent to her, her friends. Um, there were some that the Daily Telegraph said were too graphic to print. I don't know if you missed out on this. Yes, no, and they were. Sure. They linked the gravity of animal abuse mm. with. Acts of child abuse? I yes, I haven't seen them, but I'm aware of them, yeah. Do you know who leaked those messages to the 
to the Daily Telegraph. Tell us. It was Annabelle Fuller. Mm. The, the, the woman who had an affair with Nigel Farage, who then told her, your arse looked amazing in the moonlight. I can... It's um, like a sort of merry-go-round. Of bonkers. Of, of, yeah, you kick <laughs> bonkers. It's like La Ronde. <laughs> okay, Steve, um, you will be chatting to Jerry next. Next. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting podcast one or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Steve Anglesey here. Richard Porritt has stepped away from the microphone for a, a little while, and I'm here with um, with Jerry Scott, who is our regular New European podcast uh, contributor. Jerry, your your day gig though is uh, is as health correspondent of the the Eastern Daily Press, which is a, a, a very large and uh, very historic local newspaper. Let's just dive into this uh, health and Boris and NHS. Uh, thing uh, uh, once again um, th- there is a huge health crisis on in this uh, in this country right now how has it come to this and and what is happening yeah I mean every winter we see these problems don't we every yeah. winter we get the stories about ambulances queuing up outside hospitals patients being treated in corridors um, but as you say my day job is as a health correspondent and those on the front line are telling me this year, it's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, I think NHS England are saying it's the worst since the early 1990s, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so it's a hot topic. And it was a hot topic at PMQs on Wednesday. Um, but obviously, the NHS is always, always, um, you know, in people's minds. And Boris has come out, hasn't he, and said that he's going to push for £100 million a week extra for mm. the NHS. Um He'll have you believe, I think, that he's you know trying to fulfil his Brexit bus promise. Yeah. Um, at a cut rate, yeah. I do. It's a bit note less than three hundred and fifty well. million. Yes. <laughs> Just a bit. Um, but by urging Theresa May to put more money to the health service, um, but it's opportunistic, isn't it? Mm. it? It is a time that many people are accusing Theresa May of having taken her eyes off the health service. So. In a true-to-form fashion, Boris has swept in and grabbed the headlines and grabbed the opportunity to say, well, I'll be, I'll be looking after the NHS. Yes. Um, like I say, it was mentioned at PMQs on Wednesday. Actually, it took up quite a lot of, uh, of the time. Jeremy Corbyn actually used two examples from, from my part of the world in the east of England, both stories I worked on last week, to really hammer Theresa May. Which were? Well, the first was a whistleblower from the East of England Ambulance Trust. Right, um, yes. He released a dossier detailing kind of 40 cases where ambulance delays had allegedly contributed to the death or harm of people in the East of England. 19 of them were deaths, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other was in that dossier where a man is reported to have frozen to death in yes. Lowestoft, which is in Suffolk, whilst waiting for an ambulance. You know, these are only examples from the East, mm-hmm. um, but it's happening all over the country. Christmas and New Year saw hospitals completely full to the brim, ambulance queuing outside, you know, as I said, patients treating corridors, and we're hearing horror story after horror story. So, for someone like Boris, it's the perfect time 
to take advantage of that when there's uh, chinks in the armour of the government. Yes. So, so we were we were discussing when we were talking about Boris specifically earlier on, mm. and we were kind of saying, well, you, you, you obviously you question his motives for this, but whatever his motives are, should we just be grateful to him for picking this as his pet project? And you know, is and is a hundred million pounds a week going to? Is that what the NHS needs, or or is so, is it? So, so a hundred million pounds a week isn't enough. Right. Is the first thing you know. NHS um, think tanks and experts have said it's not enough. It's not what we need. Um, but apart from that, no, I don't think we should be grateful that he's picked it up because there is no sincerity or kind of follow through behind it. The next time I believe something else shiny comes up, Boris's head will be diverted to another to another cause. Yes. Um, I think you know he. <laughs> His uh, Boris's dad, Stanley, who we all know from I'm a Celeb fame, obviously, yeah. um, has been on the radio in Australia today saying that, um, you know, Boris has been a bit, you know, skewered by this information being leaked to the media. But it was extensively briefed on, yeah. you know, um, and trailed beforehand. And it just looks like an absolutely naked grab for some useful headlines for him. Yes. It um, just keeps happening to him, doesn't it? These it unfortunately. Does. Oh, what a shame! How is it possibly I, happening? I don't know. He needs to. He needs to try <laughs> and track him down, doesn't he? He needs um, to find the real killers in an OJ Simpson way. His, his search for the leakers goes on, um, like OJ's own search. He was reportedly slapped down quite unceremoniously by yes. Theresa May, um, but I think that's going to suit him because he gets to play the brave crusader fighting for the NHS. Yes. Whilst Theresa May is cast as this Cruella de Vil type character who wants to, you know, deprive the health service of money and seemingly at PMQs on Wednesday was only interested in blaming Labour in Wales for their mm. NHS failings. Um, but, you know, the problem is, is our NHS is in a vicious cycle. Mm. It's people can't get to GP appointments so they go to A&E when they don't need to. This is combined with having a larger and ageing population. So A&E is full, there's a higher number of more serious patients, lack of staff, etc, etc. So ambulances can't offload their patients. Doctors and nurses are stretched, and there's a recruitment crisis in general, and this means paramedics can't get back on the road to respond to calls. And then we hear about these long waits and deaths. And yes. it goes round and round and round. Um, so it's difficult to know what can actually be done, because money isn't the be-all and end-all. Although it is a big part of it. Um, no, you can spend money unwisely, can't you? Which is a central tenet of conservative policy yes. when, they, when, we, when we ask for more money for these things. But, of course, I think the money would help. Um, yeah. You know, there is a lot of anger towards Theresa May at the moment with the NHS, I feel. Especially because she keeps saying that it was better prepared for winter than ever before. And that there's been more money put in. It's a bit of a kind of knife in the back to staff who were working overtime, extra shifts, seeing people die unnecessarily. Yes. Um, and she's also rejected calls for a cross-party commission to look at the future of the NHS, which hasn't gone down well with a lot of her own MPs, mm. too. Um, some of her own MPs have attacked her, saying um, she had a lack of ambition over the NHS, and one criticised her as dull, dull, dull. Yeah. Um, so it's fine for Boris to make these demands... Maybe it's helpful, but they're not going to be acted upon. And for me, it's just grandstanding. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I agree it's grandstanding. I, and I certainly agree that there's obviously something in it for Boris to 
to try and push for more NHS funding because he was obviously the guy who promised 350 million quid a week for for, mm-hmm. for, for the NHS. Uh, we discussed earlier, Richard and I, the the notion that um, he might be using this as a way of getting out of the government and yes. saying I'm resigning over this, and uh, and then obviously a leadership bid will follow. I also think it's, I mean, I think it's obvious that there will be some more money for the NHS quite soon. Probably we'll find out in March in the mm-hmm. in the uh, when the, the, the Philip Hammond's numbers all align, and we will see some, and then he will be able to say this I've is partly won. because Absolutely. of I once again I'm a serial winner and I've won this extra money, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of coming all along. Oh, it's all very clever. You got to hand it to him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. What did you think of? Let's let's talk about Corbyn first at, at, at PMQs, yeah. um, and he keeps going for May on funding, and she she's hit on this Labour in Wales thing now, which is which is something, and she also keeps going on about the fact that this government has put more money into the NHS than any other government, and of course that's just sort of inflation, isn't it? it and, is, yeah. uh, basically, and you know this government began in, in 2010, and it's natural that they should have outspent the government that began in, <laughs> in, in 1997, I guess. Um, do you think Corbyn is making any sort of headway on this? I think on Wednesday um, he hit her hard and his points were well made and... I thought he was good on Wednesday. Yeah, I thought he was good on Wednesday. There have been, you know, times in recent weeks where he hasn't performed so well and, you know, his blows haven't quite hit home. But I think on Wednesday he was good. He, you know, again, used real-life examples of exactly what's happening. He talked about a gentleman, Chris, who had written to him with an example which I think, you know, has become a really successful way of him hitting the Conservatives with what is happening kind of on the ground. Um... Is he making headway? I don't know, because there are still people who will say that the NHS, for example, is struggling because um, of immigration. Hmm. But, you know, uh, senior consultants on the front line say that's not the case. Yeah. Or there are those who are saying, well, we don't need to worry about Brexit and the NHS staff aren't going to leave. Here are the reassurances they can stay. But European staff are worried about their future in the NHS. And there are... Oh, I looked at the figure this morning. It's either 54 or 56,000 staff from the EU holding up our NHS. Mm. If a big proportion of those go, well, it's going to fall to the ground. Yeah. So is he making headway? Um, I think he could be with the people who know that those things are important. I, but I think for those who want to blame an NHS crisis on something other than a Conservative government, they'll easily find an excuse to. Yeah. And you know, we're just just again circling back to um, to um, what we said at, at, the, at the top with when we we're talking about the David Miliband article. You know, Labour's great plans for to deal with the NHS um, cannot. They how can they be funded mm-hmm. when this disaster is going to happen, which is already costing us between two hundred million a week and three hundred and fifty million a week. Um, depending on, on who you talk to, and it's going to keep costing us um, any more. Are you, after this week, are you more or less optimistic about the future of the immediate future of the NHS and getting through this crisis? Oh, that's difficult, isn't it? Um, you know, it's a it's a standard thing to say, but I think more in a way because the hard work and integrity of the staff in the NHS yeah. just keeps being shown over and over and over again they've gone above and beyond yet again when you think they can't possibly do any more 
Um, the NHS has always been run on goodwill to a certain extent, but mm. now that's really being put to the test and they're rising to the challenge. So in that respect, I'm very optimistic about the NHS. On the other hand, the funding, the kind of lack of support and the failings that you hear about are very worrying. Um, you know, it's 2018 and people shouldn't be freezing to death on the streets of a coastal town because an ambulance can't get to them. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's a sobering thought, and uh, and and so much of this uh, so much of this debate is sobering. Uh, thanks very much, Jerry Scott, uh, and we will return with oh, with the Brexiteer of the week. Brexiteer of the week. Welcome back. It's time to crown a Brexiteer of the week, Steve. Neil Hamilton. Let's start with Neil Hamilton. Did I tell you about the t- no? Yeah, we can, we can, if you want to hear the Neil Hamilton anecdote, <laughs> to, if you rewind to two weeks ago. Rewind to two weeks stay ago. Stay right it, till the end after the bagpipes. It is well worth it. It's well worth it. Um, let's start with Neil Hamilton. Um, he was, was asked about his opinion on uh, of Henry Bolton. Um, he said Henry Bolton has made himself into a ludicrous figure by his own <laughs> poor judgment. And that, let's, let me remind you, that is Neil Hamilton, who once posed naked for GQ and then appeared as the narrator in the Rocky Horror Show to escape bankruptcy after his failed libel action against The Guardian. Yeah. He's made himself into a ludicrous figure by his own poor judgment, he said, of Henry Bolton. <laughs> um, do you worry about Roger Helmer now? He's not an MEP anymore. Well, do you know what? I, I, I am a worrier. And, I um, worry about him. I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night. Because he left, him. he left his job as a, a well-paid job as an MEP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was completely for reasons of his own choosing. Yes, nothing I'm aware to of that. do I'm with very aware of that. A, an EU Parliament probe into his expenses. Anyway, I, I just wonder how he's spending his time now. And then I looked at his Twitter account, and he's it, he's he's not wasting it. I can tell you. He tweeted yesterday. I asked several dinner companions how much CO2 they thought there was in the atmosphere. Mm. The guesses ranged from 20% to 40%. Mm. They were flabbergasted when I told them it was only 0.04%. Yes. What party to miss out on? I know. I mean, so... Anyway, looking at the the Brexit, worst Brexiteer of the week, I I, I saw Richard Littlejohn. Yes. Little cock, big opinions, as readers of visual know. yeah. He wrote a remarkable uh, column for the, the Daily Mail who was, for some reason, still paying him. Um, and he was going on about how good Nigel Farage was. And uh, at one point it's, it said, he, you know, they, 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 he, he wouldn't really want a knighthood, but he should get one. And um, I don't think they should try and build a statue of him if they, you know, because they can't even get a statue of Mrs Thatcher up. But, <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? He actually opened this... Thing, pray, uh, him of praise to Nigel Farage with a quote from Enoch Powell, which I thought was. He's back in know. vogue, isn't he, Enoch? Mm, he is, good old Enoch. Anyway, he uh, he, he said, well, this, this stuck out for me. Richard Littlejohn said about Nigel Farage When I was presenting a nightly show on Sky News, I was about the only broadcaster who would give him a regular platform. The mainstream media treated Farage as a pariah, at best a circus act, at worst a neo Nazi. Fancy that. It's amazing um, how wrong they all were. It also stuck out for me because he said that um, the nicotine stained man frog, Nigel Farage, was a folk hero. Um, he, he was a folk hero on both sides of the Atlantic 
while poor old humiliated David Cameron has been, and I'm quoting, reduced to scraping a living on the international lecture circuit, which is essentially a political end of the peer show. And this kind of ignores the fact that Nigel Farage was on a literal end of the peer (laughs) show, wasn't he? He was. Including a sparsely attended appearance in Clacton-on-Sea last October, where he managed to sell fewer tickets than the Elvis impersonator who was on the night before. A really good Elvis impersonator, though. We can't be too hard on Richard Littlejohn, because I once went to see Spurs on his season ticket. Oh, wow. Lovely seats. Nice seats. Mm. I think they'd be, have to be su- sufficiently padded, wouldn't they? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> but the Brexiteer of the Week is another another journalist. Yeah. Tim Awful. Newark. I'm not an author and journalist. I'm not aware of this man. I've been unaware of, unaware of this guy until uh, until this week. Apparently he's an author. Um, uh, he seems to have written a few books about uh, the Mafia. Ah. Uh, he's now a contributor to the Daily Express. Uh, and he had a oh, he had a burning hot take on the Bayer tapestry. Did he? I can tell you. He said it was a timely reminder yeah. of what happened the last time we were overwhelmed by illegal immigrants. Then yeah. he went. Then he sort of rambled on about immigrants and how much he hated them for a while. Yeah. And then he said somebody must commission a seventy-five-yard-long embroidery recording the events of the Brexit campaign with a mail-clad Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson charging to victory, cutting down the Brussels bureaucrats. It's a fantastic idea. It is. So maybe a lot of the old kippers, because they're quite old, aren't they? Maybe they could get on it with the old knitting needles. Yeah, cross-stitch. Maybe cross-stitch, maybe at the EGM. While we're waiting for that to happen, for them to knit a new... Uh, by your tapestry, uh, built around Tim Newark's uh, batshit craziness. <laughs> I went to Tim Tim's website and I thought I'd learn some more about Tim Newark. Um, and there's an amazing article on there which says he promises that he will expose the right-wing myth created around Hitler and the left-wing historians who have perpetuated it. And he's basically saying Hitler wasn't really a a right-winger at all, he was a left-winger. Right. Do you want to know the amazing evidence that he's got for this? <laughs> I can what probably makes, guess, What makes on. me think Hitler is a left-winger, <laughs> he says. Well, the big clue is in the title of his party, <laughs> yeah. National Socialist. Yeah. Right, OK, so there are several things wrong with that, and we don't need to go into them now. But I was just thinking about Tim Newark and, and reading this, and I thought... Tim Newark, it must be, it, it, something makes me think that Tim Newark is just a wanker. <laughs> and then I thought, well, what is that? What's made me think that Tim Newark is a wanker? Well, the big clue is in the anagram of his surname, Newark. <laughs> so Tim Newark is a wanker and is the Brexiteer of the week. <laughs> Very good. Congratulations, Tim. That was the New European Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. If you want to leave reviews and subscribe, then please do. It makes a really big difference to the um, success of this podcast. The newspaper is in the shops now. It's £2.50. It's a cracking read. There's exclusives. There's lots of politics. There's lots of Brexit. But there's also lots of culture um, on topics as diverse as sport, food, fashion and culture. We'll be back next week. Until then, Mr. Campbell, 
play your bagpipes. Here you go. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.